Hey guys, welcome back to the Filmmakers Podcast. I am the maker of the Filmmakers Podcast, Andrew Gardner. In this podcast, we cover famous directors for people looking to get into movies, so we hope you stick around and enjoy the podcast on the Filmmakers Podcast. And also, follow us on Instagram at podcast underscore makers for more movie content. Welcome back to the Filmmakers Podcast. On today's podcast, we'll be covering Quinn Tarantino for a second week. For this week, we'll be looking into the themes, plots, and some of the fun facts about Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards, and Django and Shade. While we're here, I would like to give a shout-out to the four films of Quinn Tarantino that we won't be covering on this podcast. Jackie Brown, Death Proof, The Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. All these movies should be must-watches for any audience, and I encourage my audience to watch all these films before Quinn Tarantino releases his 10th and supposed final film. Also on the 23rd, we will be jumping into the great films of Spike Lee for Black History Month. Spike Lee has covered themes on racism, social injustices, and themes of riches and poverty. Spike Lee has made a name for himself and a career for himself as he speaks for the struggles of the black community and is the perfect man to finish off the month of February. We'll be discussing his movies, Do the Right Thing, Malcolm X, The Black Klansman, and The Five Bloods. So check it out and more on the Filmmakers Podcast. All right, guys, let's finish off this week on a good note as we finally finish off Quentin Tarantino. Before jumping into the plots of these films, I would like to cover the styles of Quentin Tarantino and how they changed through the years. When Quentin Tarantino first started, he had a slow development for characters as we would often see them killed off at the end of the movie. Maybe the short stories of the colored name gang in Reservoir Dogs to the non-linear storytelling in Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino has little background for his characters. Quentin Tarantino makes you feel for the characters through the scripts and the dialogue he creates in his movies, and he's able to make you feel for the most horrible people. Characters like mob boss muscle Jules Winfield from Pulp Fiction, Nazi General Hans Landa and Glorious Bastards, to the racist slave owner Calvin Candy in Django Unchained. All right, let's get into some plots for the movie. The first one I would like to start with is the 1994 second film of Quentin Tarantino, Pulp Fiction. The movie is the most unlinear of any of Quentin Tarantino's movies, so let's just break down the characters and what they do within the film. Vincent Vega, played by John Travolta, and Jules Winfield, played by Quentin Tarantino favorite Samuel L. Jackson, as they are hired muscle slash hitmen for Masaris Wallace, played by Vin Rames, as they have a wacky day of adventures. First, they have to pick up a secret package for Marsalis Wallace, and they end up shooting a group of young men that have the package. When Vincent shoots Marvin, one of the young men, in the back of the head, the blood sprays across the car, and they have to go to Jimmy's house. Jimmy is played by Quinn Tarantino, one of the many parts he casts himself in his films. They have to call the wolf, played by Harvey Keitel, to fix the situation. After this, Jules and Winfield, wearing the dorky clothing of Jimmy, after their clothes were covered in blood, are held up as a robbery takes place at a restaurant. Jules might have stopped the crime, but he has later quits the job as Marcellus Wallace's muscle. Later that night, Vincent takes out Marcellus's wife, Mia, played by Uma Thurman. They go to a hip 50s restaurant where all the waiters are 50s icons. Mia later overdoses when she mistakes Vincent drugs for cocaine. Vincent needs to go to Lance's house, Vincent's drug dealer. After Mia is saved with an adrenaline shot to the chest, they go back to her house like nothing happened. The next story is the story of Butch Coolidge, played by Bruce Willis. He is a boxer who is paid by Marcellus Wallace to throw his next fight. Butch wins the fight to the end, even killing his opponent, as he took Marcellus's money to bet on himself. This puts Butch and his wife, Fabiana, on the run as they wait out in a hotel room. When Fabiana forgets Butch's watch that his father gave to him when he was in the Vietnam War, he has to go back to his apartment and retrieve it. At this apartment, Butch kills Vincent at the, as he was there to kill him. Butch then runs into Marcellus Wallace and ends up running him over with the car. They are both badly beaten as Butch runs into a car after running over walls. They both end up in a pawn shop where they are taken hostage by the owner. They, they are tied up, and the pawn shop owner invites his friend Zed to come rape Marcellus and Butch. Butch releases himself and goes back to save Marce Marcellus. 
They end up taking out taking out the owner and Zed, and Marcellus tells Butch to never come back to L.A., pretty much giving him a free pass. The whole story is told in different segments in order to leave the audience in suspense the whole time. For the next field, I would like to cover Inglorious Bastards, the 2009 film of Quentin Tarantino. We follow a couple of different, different groups within this movie, but the story is told in order. We meet the antagonist, Hans Landa, played by Christoph Waltz, a Nazi labeled the Jew hunter as he is in charge of hunting the Jewish people hiding in France. Landa, in the beginning of the film, finds a family of Jewish people hiding in the floorboards of a French dairy farmer. One of the family members escapes, Shosanna, played by Melanie Laurent, and she moves in with her aunt and uncle and inherits a movie theater. We also follow the Inglorious Bastards, a group of Jewish Americans tasked with hunting Nazis and their leader, Aldo Rain, played by Brad Pitt. They hunt down the Nazis and scout them and find out where the next group of Nazis is to take out Hitler's army one group at a time. Back in France, Frederick Zoller, played by Daniel Brühl, a famed Nazi soldier, comes to Shoshana's theater and begins to flirt with her. Shoshana blows him off as she remembers her time in Landa. Later on, Zoller takes her to a fancy restaurant to tether. He has tasked her movie theater to feature the Nazi propaganda film he stars in. She decides to host the premiere in order to burn down the theater to kill every Nazi in it. This is when we see the Inglorious Bastards as they are working with famed German actress Bridget von Hammerschmark, a German actress that is working against the Nazis. She plans, she plans to get some of the German-speaking bastards into the premiere of Zoller's movie. The plan goes awry as she plans a meeting with the bastards and Lieutenant Archie Hicks, a British soldier. They are gunned down by a Nazi officer. The only one to survive is Bridget, and she and Aldo must now go to the premiere. Otto doesn't speak German, so he has to go as an Italian filmmaker with some other bastards that can't speak much Italian. At the premiere, Bridget is strangled by Landa as he finds her shoe at the meeting spot, the bastards and Lieutenant Hitchcock, and they find out that and he finds out she is a traitor to the Nazis. At this time, Aldo is kidnapped by Landa and some Nazis, and Shosana sets up the theater to blow up and ends up being shot by Zoller when she shoots in the back for stopping her plan. As the movie is playing, Shosana's movie of her telling the Nazis she is going to they are going to die by a Jewish girl placed on the theater instead of the movie. This gives some of the bastards a chance to break into Hitler's booth and murder him. As 365 Nazis die from shots and fire, Landa is able to get a deal with the United States that says he was behind the attack of the Nazis. He and Aldo and the other bastards have to take him across the border so he can go to the United States and live a life of luxury as somebody who has defected from the Nazis. As they cross the border, Aldo holds Landa down and cuts a swastika into his forehead so everyone still knows he's a war criminal. And finally, we are covering the 2000 plot, uh, 2012's Django Unchained. We first see Django, played by Jamie Foxx. There's that trivia bell. <laughs> Karen Tarantino was first cast in the movie. Will Smith was offered the role, but he later turned it down, and Foxx got the role. Django is chained up as he was sold in as a slave. Django is making his way across Texas, chained up, and Dr. King Schultz, played by Christoph Waltz, in another great role as a bounty hunter who's looking for Django. He shoots the people walking the slaves across Texas and buys Django. He has bought Django so he can help him find a couple of people he is tasked to hunt. If Django can help him, he will earn his freedom. Django knows that the people Schultz is looking for because they worked on the plantation that Django was originally a slave at. Django helps him kill the Brittle Brothers and earns his freedom. They kill the Brittle Brothers at Big Daddy's Johnson's plantation. Big Daddy and the KKK later hunt down Django and Schultz and look to kill them. They later die as Schultz set up a bunch of TNT where they were sleeping and shoots it. As Big Daddy's running away, Schultz gives Django a chance to shoot him down. As he does, this makes Schultz figure out that Django's a natural-born bounty hunter. Through the winter, Schultz and Django hunt down people as bounty hunters. This leads Django to look for his wife, who was separated from him when they were sold to separate plantations. 
They find Broomhilda Van Shaft, a German-speaking slave, and Django's wife was sold to someone in Tennessee. So they go to Tennessee to find out where he was sold. They find out that Calvin, Calvin Candy, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, and find a way to make his way into his plantation. They are there under the guise that they are there to buy, buy slaves to fight. Django stirs up trouble as he becomes more confrontational as he sees Broomhilda mistreated by Candy and Stephen Candy's right-hand slave. Candy later finds out that Django and Schultz are there to buy Broomhilda and sells, them to the, sells her to them for $12,000, way too much for a house slave. As they are leaving, the pompous Candy demands Schultz gives him a handshake. As he does, he kills Candy with a hidden gun in his sleeve. Schultz is then murdered, and Django goes to a, on a rampage, killing tens of dozens of Candy's men. He is later taken in and resold to a mining company. Django talks his way out of the control of the mining company as he tells them his story about him being a bounty hunter. Django later returns to Candy's ranch, murders Stephen, played by Samuel L. Jackson, and Billy Crash, played by Walter Goggins, one of Candy's workers, and blows up the plantation. He and Broomhilda at the end, right off in the distance, free slaves. All right, now that we covered the really, long, really, really long plots of Quentin Tarantino's films, let's get into the themes of these movies. The first one I would like to cover is this theme of great villains within his movies. With Pulp Fiction, we really don't see villains per se, but everyone is a great villain. From the Hitmans and Jules and Vincent going around murdering people and going on hardcore drug bangers, and the mob boss Marcellus Wallace. But the worst by far is the in the film is the rapist in the pawn shop that hold Butch and Marcellus hostage only to sexually assault Marcellus. With Quentin Tarantino scripts, you can't help but like these bad people. In Glorious Bastards, Hans Landa is the worst people can get. From killing Jewish people, hiding from him as he laughs maliciously, to strangling Bridget with his bare hands until she breathes her last breath. He then turns on his own country. He doesn't die or he doesn't die or arrested for his horrible crimes. Ring ring, there's that bell again. Christoph Waltz did such a great job being a villain, he was later offered the job as a Bond villain in The Murderous Cardinal and The Three Musketeers. Last might be the worst next to Landa, Calvin Candy. Candy seems sympathetic to the slaves he owns, but then will watch them fight each other to the death and murder them with ravaged dogs. He smears his blood on Broomhelda and tricks Schultz into spending too much money. Leonardo DiCaprio was so good as a villain, many people thought he would win his first Oscar from the role. The next theme I would like to cover is the theme of great dialogues that we see in Quentin Tarantino's movies. These dialogues make you feel for the characters, builds connections, makes up parts that might seem uninteresting. In Pulp Fiction, Quentin Tarantino casting Samuel Jackson must be the best of, that ever happened to him. Samuel gives two great speeches of dialogues with the film. The scene where they are picking up Marcella's briefcase, he gives a sermon to a group of young men. Ring, 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 there's that trivia bell. Ezekiel 25:17 is a fake Bible verse that Samuel L. Jackson made up to scare the young men. The path of the righteous man is shouted by Samuel L. Jackson to add to the character development rules as a religious man. He later repeats the sermon to a robber, played by Tim Roth, that tries to rob uh, Marcellus' briefcase. Samuel L. Jackson is the best when it comes to unbroken dialogue. In Glorious Bastard, English is the least spoken language next to the broken Italian of Aldo. French and German are the most spoken language in the film, and often go on for minutes unended. When Landa sees Shosanna in the cafe with Zoller, he speaks French, and it is so intimidating, and Landa, knowing many languages, gives him the essence that he is a horrible criminal that can break you down in any language. Landa's speech in the beginning, where he speaks to this French dairy farmer, is great, as he switches from French to English in order, to, in order for the Jewish family hiding underneath the floorboards not to know he is going to gun them down. Christoph Hoth is so good at switching languages, it is unsettling. And in Django Unchained, Calvin Candy's speech towards Schultz and Django is wrenching as he raises his voice and smears blood on Broomhilda's face as he becomes more unstrung. 
Quentin Tarantino's dialogue gets the best parts of the movies and makes the viewing experience the best it can be. Like last episode, I would like to cover some music from Quentin Tarantino's films. In Django and Train, a Western film, rap music is played to help the action take place. I need a honey black covers for a honey bed, me and a honey blow. Now I'm not afraid to do the Lord's work. He said vengeance is his, but I'm going to do it first. All right, guys, we're finally done with Quentin Tarantino. Now we can move on to Spike Lee on the 23rd. It was fun covering the plots and themes in all, in all of Quentin Tarantino's films. Can't wait to spend the rest of the season with you guys on the Filmmakers Podcast. All right, guys, that was our podcast. If you enjoyed it, remember to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at podcast underscore makers. And watch out for next week's podcast. It's bound to be loads of fun as we look at another filmmaker. All right, guys, see you later.